This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Followed by crowds and his disciples, Jesus entered Jerusalem joyfully, nonviolently, occupied the temple, chased away the money changers, and healed. On the next day, Jesus again entered the temple, and this time the chief priests and the elders of the people came to Jesus as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. And if you tell me, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John, did that come from heaven or is it of human origin? Well, then they argued among each other. If we say from heaven, then he will say, well, why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowds because all regarded John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the man went to his second son and said the same. And the son said, I go, sir. But he didn't go. But Jesus said to them, Which one of these two did the will of his father? And they said, The first. Jesus said, Really, I'm telling you, the, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and justice, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him, and even after you saw this, you did not change your minds and believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I want to talk a little bit about conflict today. Here we see Jesus engaging a conflict, intentionally going to Jerusalem, a place you might say he didn't have to go. Wasn't the work done in Galilee, all the healing, the teaching, the feeding? Why go to Jerusalem and stir up all this trouble? with the leaders there in the temple. Today we get to wonder about the, the consequences of not engaging the conflict. What are the consequences of simply keeping the peace? 
when peace really doesn't exist. You know, I've shared some stories about my own life, my own growing up, my dad's anger. And in so many of those pictures and those stories, my mom just wasn't present. Her response was to withdraw from that conflict. She wasn't there to step up and say, hey, wait a minute, this is across the line. My sister tells, told me this story. That after one of those most painful experiences of my dad's out-of-control anger, that my mom had made her mind up she was going to demand that he get some help, go to anger management therapy or whatever it required. I don't know why her resolve to do this faded away, and she didn't. And so, meanwhile, I grow, grew up being afraid of my dad, never having a relationship with my dad as someone I could trust. And I go back to that moment and think about those kind of sliding doors, that, that what if, what if she had engaged the conflict instead of keeping the peace? What harm would have been prevented? Jesus is showing us what it means to carry the cross here. When he engages the conflict, when he doesn't let his fears about his own safety override what he knows the suffering of the people for whom he came is all about. I mean, he was there in Galilee and in other places, healing the sick and feeding the hungry and teaching, casting out demons. And he, his love drew him in to those places where suffering was so great. And he could trace the source where that suffering was coming from, why people were sick and why people were hungry and why things were the way they were. And that road led to Jerusalem, to the place that he knew was going to be dangerous for him. The road that everybody around him knew was going to be dangerous for him. Followed by, he didn't go along, alone, followed by a crowd of the sick and the hungry and all those moral inferiors like tax collectors and prostitutes. He didn't go alone. Maybe that's one sign for us. Maybe my mom didn't have anybody to go with. Maybe my mom didn't have anybody who had her back. But you can see in this story how the crowd was there in its own way protecting Jesus. They were afraid of the crowd. And that kept Jesus alive a little bit longer to keep doing his work and to, to proclaim the message that he came to proclaim. And so often engaging the conflict is such a hard thing to do because conflict is messy. 
and it's confusing, and you've probably heard the, the kind of proverb that's not in the Bible, but it's come to be trusted as such. There's two sides to every story, right? And Jesus takes the risk of choosing a side. It may not have been the side that was defined in the great, you know, debates of his day, but he chose the side of the people who were sick, the people who were hungry, the people who were considered to be morally inferior to everybody else. We can see this choice from the very beginning, the Beatitudes, which celebrate God's blessing for those who live lives of such heavy grief, but woe to those whose lives are so comfortable. Here is a definition of God's choice, of Jesus' choice, of how Jesus enters the conflict and for whom. I hope that we can see that it is for the sake of everyone that Jesus chooses that side. It's for the sake of the comfortable that Jesus takes the side of the grieving. It's for the sake of, of the rich and poor alike that Jesus chooses, sees that blessing that God has for the poor. It's for the sake of all, but he chooses the same because Jesus loves enough to see the harm. People regard John as a prophet. And a prophet is not someone who predicts the future. A prophet is someone who tells the truth about the present. That's what John the Baptist was doing. And when he was arrested for telling that truth, Jesus stepped in to that vacuum. And there he stood in the temple face to face with the very people who are, the religious people who are upholding the king who arrested John. Right? You see this family tree of who's on whose side. Jesus knows how this is going to end. But Jesus, and that's why Jesus is there. Jesus knows it's going to end in life. It's going to end in resurrection. It's going to end in liberation. It's going to end in people with full stomachs with healed bodies, with whole communities. That's how it's going to end. No matter what the scheming they do is going to be like, or what they have decided they're going to do to this guy who's just shamed them in front of all these crowds, he knows it's going to be painful, but he knows the end is life. But God decides how the story ends. And in faithfulness to that end, we take a side. We get to take a side. In the conflicts, in our families, in our communities, in our world. With the same promise that there is life. There is nothing wasted. But God will work God's abundance and life through our limited often fearful, often uncertain 
steps forward into the conflicts that really matter for the sake of the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God.